let's get started with this week's uh, core concepts, the next two core concepts. So uh, let's just have a couple of our hosts just explain what the two core concepts are, um, mostly for the benefit of what we're listening, for those who are listening, if they are. Um, but what are our two core concepts? And then we will go back and start to look at both of them. Anybody jump in? Talks about privilege and unprivileged people and um, advantage and disadvantage and who and what kind of people think and say those types of things. Okay. Um, All right. So the different people who fall into advantaged and disadvantaged. And then what was the, well, I guess you actually did both because the second one is privileged. So they're very similar in, uh, at least they're very similar in what what the discussion will probably unpack. Does anybody want to distinguish between them two or something else? Um, I think also that was really good was um, something that was about Biden said that they were both, yes, they were very similar, but at the same time, they both kind of helped each other. Like one described who was in the categories, which five described who was in the categories of themselves. Um, and she lists off a huge list of those. And then um, six was just about the privilege and talking about how privilege is never earned in a way is only given um and like the bad parts of because you are in these groups that I already talked about you may or may not start the start with privilege or a high privilege okay so I kind of talked about that a starting point is a is a key indicator that she talks about um what so after we've talked about these two, so what? Uh, let's just jump into the questions, and then I think this is the type of topic where I think if we open it up to everybody, this mm-hmm. is something I'm sure we all would like to discuss. So, um, but why is this? Why are these important? Why are they hurtful? Why? Uh, why is it important that we know this? Um, and if you, if it's easier to answer that question, thinking specifically here at where you are at your school, why is it important that we pay attention to these things here? Um, but why? How did you answer those questions? I said it was um, important because I, for what I got from this was that uh, whenever I call someone like someone else is privileged or someone is like you know, not privileged and stuff like that, I'm categorizing somebody kind of. And that's not my intention. Like, I don't plan to categorize someone, but by giving them that name, I'm putting them in a category that I may be wrong about because they may see themselves as, like, someone who's privileged, but I'm seeing them as someone who's, like, not privileged, I guess, in a way. Okay. So the uh, categorization of someone who is not privileged is what you're, like, afraid of doing. Yeah. Okay. I see. Or that, like, you must be in the disadvantaged group and that kind of, like, why did you think that? Yeah. That's, okay. I see. What else? Why why is this discussion even an important discussion to have? To add on to what she said, uh, it's dangerous to group people based on their identity because once we start polarizing white people and black people and Asian people, then we can judge them based on their race and that just creates more racism. Okay. And doing that with gender is equally as harmful and all the other things she listed. Okay. So, 
So I want to make sure I'm clear on what your answer is. Your answer is also like the idea of it, it's dangerous when we start to categorize yeah, people. Because if we just say all white people are privileged and I all see. people of color are unprivileged, then that just gives us means to start hating on white people. And that's, that's okay. not right. I see. All right. I definitely, come back to that. I definitely think one part of distinguishing the difference between advantaged versus disadvantaged groups is not necessarily to like you said, point out, like separate us. But I think one of the reasons why it's so important to recognize these advantage versus disadvantage groups and the privilege that these advantage groups have is to recognize it and be aware of it so that we can like get rid of that. Because you can't get rid of something you don't recognize or you don't acknowledge, you know? You, you can't I can't say, oh, I'm not privileged as a white person. Um, and then it, it, it just it just demeans any sort of conversation about uh, equality or equity. You know, we have to realize that there is an inequality within race, religion, gender, um, sexuality, um, disabilities and abilities. You know, we have to recognize those to be able to overcome them. And I don't think there's definitely a way to use uh, the categorizing of advantage versus disadvantaged um, in a negative manner. But I think what is important about it is being able to use it to overcome it and surpass that to make it so that there is less of a gap between the advantaged and disadvantaged. Okay. I can see the idea of wanting to close that gap. Is that was that what does that strike for you? That's uh that's good and that would be ideal, but a lot of people in this country aren't doing that. They are using it as a means to attack other people. And we need to make sure that that's not what we do. We need to see people for who they are and not what their identity says about them. White people aren't necessarily more privileged than people of color. Like there are definitely a lot of poor white people and definitely a lot of rich white people. There are definitely a lot of poor people of color and definitely a lot of rich people of color. It's just there's a balance of what's right and what's wrong. Do we see a difference between uh, between a difference between privilege and I worked hard for what I have? What's yeah. the difference in that? Well, the difference in that is some people are like with a socioeconomic class. Mm -hmm. Some people are born into a very rich family and they can live very comfortable lives. Or someone can be born into a poor family in a poor neighborhood and they have to work their way up to live a nice life. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. Okay. I definitely, I'm not sure because. There, I believe, as I, even though I've had struggles in my life and my life has not been the best life, I do recognize that as a white person, I have had privileges within my life. You know, growing up, we were in the lower middle class. Like when I was in elementary school, we were on the edge of um, having our house foreclosed on us. You know, that was not a good time in my life. My parents have always struggled with money. I didn't really have a lot growing up, but I still recognize as I, as growing up, when I was young, I, 
I was like, I've had a rough life. There's been a lot going on in my life. How do I have any sort of privilege? But growing up and being able to see stuff in this world that's going on, um, just within our country, within our community, or within the world, I can see that as a white person, I do have some sorts of privilege. I do not see, I do not, I don't have a single ounce of fear in my body when I see a police officer on the street, you know? But as a white female, I do have a sense of fear when I see a man on the side of the street. I, I identify as part of a, an advantage group and a disadvantage group because of my identity. And I don't think, I think recognizing that as part of a, an advantage group is important to help minimize my privilege and help bring there to be more roundness within just the world. Does anyone else have feedback to that, this discussion? Because I mean, this is probably going to be where we are going to be sitting for a little bit. Um, what, what feedback do you have as hosts into that discussion? Would you add to either one of those sides of the argument? Or I really like Becca's side because it is true that um, something that I kind of wrote down in my thing is that everybody does fit in. Almost everybody does have at least have one disadvantaged group, whether or not you think you do or not. Like there's always going to be somebody in a disadvantaged group. Yes, you may not have as many disadvantaged, like you may not be so hard in the disadvantaged group as most others. But going up to somebody and being saying, like, oh, you have full privilege because you're white is not necessarily a thing because you never know what disadvantage group they do belong in or are a part of. Um, but just because you're in a dis I feel like just because you're in a disadvantage group doesn't mean it should help hold you back in a way to where, yes, the world will try to hold you back because you're in that group. And, yes, those things are meant to be mindful of. But also, I feel like also um, a big impact that gets in this topic is the idea of stereotypes because, like, everything is stereotyped. Like, even when somebody comes up to you and you're like, they're like, oh, you're part of this disadvantaged group. You're like, wait, how am I part of this disadvantaged group? Um, are you stereotyping me? Like, <laughs> that's like something that happens and sometimes like you may be a part of it just because you are who you were born to be versus like something like them thinking that you're this but you're really not type of thing so i hear uh i hear something that we should we should lean in on because there is this idea of, uh, which actually even gets back to what you were saying, as far as like when we articulate who is disadvantaged and not, then we're making an assumption, which automatically is us putting someone else into that category, which I think is also a little bit of what you're trying to say right. as well. Um, I don't think that you're denying, it doesn't sound like you're denying that privilege is a thing or, uh, or anything. It's just uh, we got to be careful about who we assign privilege to or who we assigned disadvantage to. Um, and so I can hear that difference as well. Um, but I also hear exactly what Becca is highlighting is that I think a part of what allows us to move forward in whatever group we're, like, we're discussing this with, whether that's in this room, in this group, or in your hall, or in your other classes, or in this community as Jessup, whatever it is, 
like when you're when you're willing to sit in a spot and go, uh, I do have it. I do have privilege in some way. Like I can find the different things that we can articulate. I mean, she lists in this chapter several levels of advantage or or privilege, right? And I think, like for me, for instance, I check every box. I, I check every box of privilege. So, um, and I think uh, at least every box that she listed, right? I mean, I think there's. And I think you're right. There's probably somewhere I could probably find where in one category somewhere along the line, I'm probably not, but I don't, I haven't found it yet. So I haven't found that, that, that spot, but in general, you know, for us to say, um, yes, I am privileged in these ways. Um, but, uh, there is this one other way where I'm disadvantaged to, to highlight and say, no, I've never feared for my life when I see a police officer, but, when I walk around at night and I fear for my life when I just see a man on the street, on the side of the street, that's a different thing. Right. So, um, and that's something that I've never had to feel as, as a man walking at night, I've never felt that. Right. So, but that's a privilege that I have that I don't have to feel that I didn't earn that. I just was born male and, and larger than I probably should be. So like, I just don't fear for my life when I walk around. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so those are those types of things though, but I think, I think we're hearing each other knowing, like, I don't think you're denying that privilege is a thing, but also, um, like, we just want to be careful about articulating, particularly the other side of it, just saying like, well, you're disadvantaged because of this. And then that gets to the point where it's like, well, why did you assume that I'm disadvantaged in that way? You know, then that automatically, um, Stereotype is a word we can use. I think we would need to articulate and kind of refine what what phrase we're using to, to, to determine that, but it makes sense for now to say that that's what we're doing. Um, now that we, where, what kind of feedback would you say from, at least from the host table, to speak into where we're at in that discussion? Does anything be like, does anything burn inside of you right now? Or you're like, well, I gotta say this because this is, like I can't stop thinking about this or no. I was kind of baffled to during her list of advantaged and disadvantaged groups to see uh, religion and Christians as advantaged and non-Christians as disadvantaged because it's not really something you think about, but, you know, the America was built on the Christian faith it, Christian is a very common religion in America. Um, and if you think about the Muslim religion and how, especially after 9-11 and through um, just the war in the Middle East, how the Muslim community has been treated, just even in America and throughout the world, like they are obviously a disadvantaged group. And uh, us as Christians... Um, we need to realize that we do have a certain advantage and with at least the, the community on our campus, there is a high white population on our campus um, and a majority Christian population on our campus. Uh, and we have to recognize those advantages and privileges in just our campus alone uh, what, whatever we do with those, I'm not sure. Maybe reaching out into the community and building relationships, building 
community and helping, doing local outreaches. Um, because I, within current day and age, there has been a lot of hate towards the Christian community that I think in some ways has been earned because of the Christians who have been very set in their ways in, um, and because of the racist or homophobic, uh, transphobic, whatever um, statements they have made, those, those, those hateful comments have been earned towards those people. And, um, and I think as a Christian community, we have to combat those by just loving and helping disadvantaged communities that I think, and we, I think we should do that within our local communities because yes, we can go out into the world. We can go to the Middle East and help the refugees. We can go um, into Central Europe and help um, like kids. We can go to Africa and help uh, build hospitals and uh, schools and stuff like that. But and that's that's one hundred percent amazing, and I love that we do that. But what change needs to happen is within our own communities. Jesus, when after Jesus died and uh, was resurrected, he didn't tell the disciples to go out into the world uh, first. He said, "Go within." Wasn't it Jerusalem? I think where yeah, they were. It, yeah, they're said, go concentric within, circles begin to go out. Yeah, yeah start within Jerusalem and make disciples, and then go out into the world. Mm -hmm. So know? let's let's focus in on on our university. Right? I have. Uh, where do we see these things playing out here? I have but, something to say. So referring back to what she said about how the population here is a lot of, you know, white people and yeah, a lot of Christians, white, white Christians, yeah. you know. Me, as a non-white Catholic here, I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage at all. I feel like this is a widespread variety of everything. There is no, you must be this, you must be that. It's just basically whether, I mean, we're all here for our education. We're all here to follow um, like God in a way, in a sense, right? I don't feel the disadvantage because I'm a different ethnicity than most people here. I don't feel disadvantaged because I'm a different religion than most people here. It's more like I'm at ease, I guess, because I know that I'm different and they're also different to me. So I don't kind of, I don't feel like they're more advantaged than me because I feel my certain way about certain things and they feel their way about certain things and stuff like that and how we see each other. It's not something that I think should vary upon like, the way you categorize somebody or the things around campus. Like there are many people here who I've met that are Muslim that are still not knowing what they are or, you know, I don't think we all have a disadvantage. Like I think, I think at a university, everybody is advantaged in a way, but like we all have our own disadvantages, but in separate ways than like religion and our ethnicity. Yeah. We're all privileged to be here. We all either had, were gifted with the uh, 
the academic ability to get scholarship to be here, maybe the musical or the athletic ability to be here, or maybe finances to be here. We're all gifted in some way and blessed to be where we are right now. So we all have privilege in that way. That's, that's Does anybody have more? Well, yeah. Everyone is given is given different sets of abilities. It's what you make of those abilities. So in speaking of, like, in terms of talents and, like, completely on a separate topic of, like, race and gender and all of that, like, with just your core talents and abilities, people are given different levels of abilities in different fields. I am not fantastic at math. That is not one of my giftings. One of my friends is fantastic at math, and that is his gifting. And so if I put all of my effort into math, and I'm down here with this low talent level, I can get up to average at best, where he could get from like average normal to fantastic. So seeing where your talents lie, and then building upon those to, to you, uh, Best use the gifts that God has given us. And then in tying that in with, uh, with the topic that we were on, that we have all been given gifts and blessings. So we need to use those gifts and blessings and those advantages, so to speak, to help those who don't have that. And they should use their gifts and talents to help those who don't have it. Mm-hmm. So it really is a give and take because everyone has an advantage that they can use to help others. Okay. Where do we find the distinction between advantage and privilege? Is there a difference? I actually had a question about that. Mm -hmm. I was like, when I was reading it, I was like, well, does everyone at a disadvantage have to be privileged? You know, like, is that, is that a connection? Does it have to always be connected? Like I was wondering about that. I don't know how to answer that. That's why I wrote it as a question. But that's the one thing that came into my mind. Like, how do you think being privileged and being in the group identity, like, advantage, like, relate to each other in the real world? Like, are they connected? Do you always have to be advantaged? Do you always have to be privileged? Like, does it have to be on a pedestal? I don't know. So, but it's a good question. There's a difference between advantage and privilege. I think that privilege isn't earned, like what they said in the book, but advantage can be like you can work your way up in uh, economic class you can work your way to get better at math or you can work your way to be really good at sports or whatever so you can have an advantage in certain areas but privilege is not or you can't work on that really yeah i think there are distinct differences in that way um that need to be kind of highlighted especially if we continue in any direction for this conversation there, we have to have a distinction there. And I think that distinction is accurate where we're saying privilege, when we speak about privilege, we're talking about the things that I didn't earn that. I just was given these things and, or I started, he, she uses the one example of some people were born on third base and think, live their life thinking they hit a triple to get there, right? Uh, there are some people who I have talked to Um, and probably at different points in time when I have lived my life knowing I was born a white male and lived my life like I earned everything I got, right? And so 
if that's not the case, then somebody help me out here. Maybe we should turn it to the class so that we can all engage in this conversation. Yeah. Well, first, who decides what privilege is? That was my question. Okay. I don't know. It's a good question. Like, do we decide ourselves for ourselves, or like, oh, we just? I, that was one of my questions too. Okay. Yeah, it's like, is are we going based off of the world's definition or off of Jesus's definition of what privilege is? Because Jesus, his the culture that he was creating was very upside down from the world. Mm -hmm. It was the first will be last and the last will be first. True. And so if we're looking at the, like it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. Um, the idea that like pride is a God repellent mm -hmm. and that if we're going based off of Jesus's um, definition of privilege, then what, what would that look like? Let's also pretend that we live in a world that doesn't care what Jesus said about privilege. And you still have, have to live, in, but you still have, right? But you still have to live in that world. And so to go, like if you went outside of this classroom and tried to explain, talk about privilege, um, which is still a discussion outside of this classroom, outside of a Christian university. You're just lucky enough that we're having that conversation at a Christian university where I could hear that and go, okay, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's lean on, on Jesus' definition of privilege, right? Um, and that's great. But then, like, when you try to talk about privilege somewhere else and say, well, Jesus said, and then they're going to be like, okay, but that's not what it looks like when I walk out here, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm still trying to live in that world outside of, where we live right here. And so um, so I like that, but we have to also decide if that is what we as people in this room or if we are followers of Jesus in this room, like, and that's an assumption also, right? That everybody at this school is believes that, right? Yeah. So we have to we have to determine our our factors, like what's gonna define this conversation moving forward from not just right here around this table, but even as we go outside onto this campus and then as we leave this campus and we try to, we want, we want people who are at a disadvantage to find more equality, right? Like that's, that's, that should be our goal. I mean, if I'm a follower of Jesus, that's a, that's what something he told me to do. So I want that to be the case. But if I try to describe that outside of this Christian context, how do I do that? Right? Like how do I pursue equality in a conversation of privilege that with people who highlight privilege, I was at a, I'm going to call it a Cubs game. It, it was at giant stadium, but we were at a Cubs game. And, uh, but before we were in line and, uh, at, uh, the grocery store, we were all getting sandwiches. I was, we were with the whole student life staff and, um, it, the line was super long. So I got in line while everyone ordered their sandwiches and then, like right when it was about our turn to go, like my friends like got in line with me and the lady behind me was irate. And she said, man, it sure is nice to have privilege, isn't it? And I was like, I, how, like I was in line with, I stood in line, like, and we're all on one transaction. You know, I'm trying to explain all of these things. And, but I'm like, that wasn't even the moment. Like we are not about to have this conversation in the line. Um, and I, but it's one of those things where like, I can't be like, well, actually, what Jesus said was to this lady, right, like, who is 
pissed at me, like because I had all my friends get in line. So, so we have to take a look at. Um, I think if we're going to define it, which I think we should, because we're followers of Jesus, we should be defining all things of uh, our worldview and the way that we understand privilege based on what Jesus said. But let's also figure out how do we use different terms to describe the same thing. Like, how do I live a life after what Jesus commanded of me regarding privilege, but also when I go outside of here, how do I describe that to people who don't care what Jesus said about privilege? Like, but they might care about making people who are cons- or who are treated less than a little bit more equal. That might be something that makes more sense, and that's totally something that Jesus said to do, right? So I like I like that I like that train of thought, but I want to make sure we're always using the same terms to define things outside of here too. But what? How do we? Who gets to describe what privilege is? That's still a great question. Who defines it? I think it's based on what our community and, uh, like, in America, a lot of people have, like, uh, a sense of, like, certain people have privileges, like, like based on race, uh, gender, all that stuff. And I think that's where it comes from. It's just, like, whoever puts their voice out there the most. Hmm. Whoever says, calls out that white people have privilege, colored people have privilege, white white men have privilege, all that stuff. Uh, whoever is the loudest voice gets a say in what privilege and advantage is. So I think we need to distinguish loudest versus says it the most, because that could be two different things, right? Uh, does everyone agree? Is that who gets to define privilege? I think that, like, as of right now in our country, the people that are determining what privileges and advantages is the government. You know, the people I think the people that are defining, like, making definitions for all these things are the people that we look, we are looking up to, and that are in charge of us in a way. So I don't know. That's just what I got to put in there. Okay. So the government creates privilege. The loudest voice creates privilege. The most frequent voice creates privilege. What else? I agree with the loudest voice. And I don't think it's the government, and here's why. For the most part, a lot of people don't really care what's going on in the government. What you see is what the news puts out. Media and Hollywood and the the people that are creating the stories for us to watch and to see and to be entertained by and to take in mindlessly, that's what shapes our culture. And so we have to always be aware of what we're, uh, what we're seeing and what we're taking in and ingesting because that has an effect on culture. So the way to change culture is to start from the top, which I believe would be media because government does have to work with media in some form of way for things to get out there. Okay. Government defines media, loudest voice, which might be the media, creates privilege or defines privilege, or maybe the most frequent voice. What else back here? So I actually wanted to ask about that because what she said is that um, people are privileged through culture and like culturally and institutionally. Mm -hmm. And I understand culturally, right, through the media, through our beliefs, 
But institutionally, like looking at the laws in place, I don't understand like how groups are necessarily advantaged over the other because for the most part, our laws are pretty fair. Okay. Um, yes. I actually had a... <laughs> I did raise my hand very fast. Um, actually, my English professor, I was talking to him about just some stuff um, to possibly write an English paper on, and he pointed out to me, uh, after the abolition of slavery in the 13th Amendment, there was a clause in the 13th, 13th Amendment that said, um, but when you are convicted and, uh, what's the, the word? I don't know. <laughs> what is the word? I don't know. I, what the, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Looking it up probably wouldn't help. Uh, convicted, I guess. If Once you are tried and convicted and put into jail, you can treat someone in jail like a slave. And so... Uh, that was part of the 13th Amendment, was someone who was in jail could be used for slave labor, which was America was built on the backs of slaves. And so the government who made this um, amendment, um, they wrote this amendment into the Constitution. And so local governments took that and went into communities and... Um, arrested large groups of African-Americans so they could use them legally as slave labor. That's an institutionalized, uh, like, disadvantaged group. But where, and, and that's bad, but that's, that's also because of culture. That's taking a law that applies to everyone equally and then using it, using your beliefs and then using it in a discriminatory way. But how are our laws directly discriminatory? Like, they can be used in a discriminatory way. But, like, how are they created to be discriminatory? Today. Yeah. Because today's culture is very different than during the time of Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's strange that we're different now than when the Constitution was written. Go ahead. I think when you're looking at it today, all laws can be taken the way that they need to be taken in the way of the law. So when you're thinking about how they're written to be a certain way, well, they're not written to be taken in ways that they have been and will be. But the way that the laws fit everything or fit things going on in our lives, like whether, like when somebody sues somebody over something that was wrong in the in the law, then it was wrong in the way that they see the law. So when you're thinking about how they're written, well, they're written to be for everybody, but are they going to be taken for everybody? So you want you want an answer of how are they discriminative on their own when they're written? They may or may not be. They're off of my topic, and I'm not an expert at looking at the law or anything like that. But at my moment, I think that they're all made to make us equal. But the way that the law actually works is when somebody takes it and uses it towards something. Gay marriage. Yeah. It just got 
I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all mixed up here. Yeah, where it's we're at. legal, but um, there are still communities where gay couples cannot get married. And it's only legal in some countries. I mean, not countries. Some countries. Some states. States. <laughs> yeah, some states. Sorry. Like in the book, she talked, I don't remember when this book was written, but she talked about um, at the timing of this book, only California and California and Massachusetts um, could not in every state no no and the way that those laws were made to be to help unchange that part was because somebody did want did see the law in a way to hurt somebody so they wanted to change it so they can't hurt somebody yes I think I think the whole idea of states having their own individual rules and regulations as well, I think that's the beauty of our country. Like, if, say, say I, I had a bunch of guns and I loved my guns, I probably would not live in San Francisco or New York. Oh, yeah. No. But I could live in Montana or Texas. Or Rockland. True. <laughs> <laughs> And that's okay. Yeah. So I, I I see that as creating more diversity. That we're able to we're able to express ourselves within the confines of the law that keeps us safe and keeps us all functioning together as a good community. But we're able to choose where we want to live and really say, if I don't like this, then I can find a way to either move. Or change it. So let's look at uh, let's look at the laws that we have, and is there could there be a way to show that the way that the laws are written are maybe not as equal as we think that they are, or we we hope that they are. I think they. I think. They are. It's just that the people who have certain authorities uh-huh. tend to regulate and make it their own type of thing. So that's whenever the conflict comes and people start to begin to say, like, well, this is why they're disadvantaged. But it's just those people who have the authority to make people see that way. Like, they're the ones giving them that title. But, like, in a general statement, I think that everything is made to be equal for everybody. It's just the people with the authority are the ones who are, like, setting the guidelines and stuff like that. And then... So we're... We should... We should trust that the entirety of the law written by a bunch of white men uh, is completely equal and fair for all people of color today. But hasn't it been changed over time? So today's statement... There's a lot of things that are still in there. Yeah. Like... uh, like it's still written in that uh, a black person is only three fifths of a human being. That has never been taken out. It's not what it says. It says that slaves will be counted as three fifths of a person for representation. Right. Which is which was a victory for the abolitionists. Mm-hmm. It was. So that 
They weren't saying that they were. But we should just leave it in, right? Because it's not that way anymore. We should just leave it in our constitution that we depend on, right? No. That's why we have We have to. We, well, but but why hasn't, hasn't it been taken out then? If right. we don't have slavery. What if we got? What if we wanted slavery again and got rid of the Thirteenth Amendment? Then that would be in place. Well, we'd have to want slavery again. I well, I know that was yeah. a very general statement, but I've talked to some people. There are love to have it again. There are people that would love yeah. to have slavery again. The KKK still exists more than ever. More than ever. And it's still a very large group. Within recent years, within the last like ten years, it has grown in population. Even if they're not the largest, they might be really loud, though. Mm -hmm. So again, who gets to define who is privileged or not? Is it the loudest? Because I know some people who would prefer slavery, slavery who could be really loud if they wanted to be really loud. Do they define privilege? Or is it their privilege to make laws or depend on laws, right? So we have to, this, like that question of who gets to define privilege is a huge question, but also could be broken down into your individual context, right? So trying to figure out who gets to define privilege to me is different than who defines privilege overall, right? Like, does Dr. Mara Cullen define it or do, do I to get to, to define it? Do uh, does the president of the university where I work and attend get to define who is privileged here? Uh, there are a lot of a lot of hands that get to define and write out definition of who gets to be privileged in different contexts, right? Um, and if we rely on any number of factors, whether it's like, well, the Constitution is the Constitution; it's a document that we all abide by. Great, let's do that. Uh, except that, what does that say for any number of groups of people who are represented? Are they privileged or disadvantaged by what we assume is just an equal and fair law? So some of that has to be up for discussion, right? Um, and some of that is up for discussion in individual contexts. Like I could probably sit with each of you and have a, an entirely different conversation <laughs> about like, well, who does get to define privilege to you and to you and to you, right? Um, and so I, I, it's an intriguing question, um, but uh, we also might go back to last week when it comes to if someone feels like they have been um, or that they are at a disadvantage or that they have been um, not treated equally um, or that someone around them has privilege and they don't, um, what, a, what is our response at that point, right? Like um, when I have a student of color tell me, why is, why is Jesus always white when I look at everything, that everything we do here at this university? Um, like that must be a really good privilege to be like a white person and go, well, yeah, that's Jesus. Well, no, that's not. That's like Michelangelo's boyfriend. That's how he painted it. Right. So that's different than when we could look at, well, well, what would a Middle Eastern man have really looked like? Seriously. So, um, 
So those are those types of things, right? It's not just the laws that we're all, we're not like in a discussion about law and constitution. That's, that's in a completely different department than I teach in. So, um, but, but it is still a factor, right? We still use that. Right. And there are different institutions, right? That's the institution of our United States government, but there's, you all attend an institution of education. Um, how do we define privilege at William Jessup? Who is privileged here at William Jessup? Um, who's privileged to see images of Jesus look just like them, right? Um, that's, those are questions that are for real, questions I get from students of color who don't feel like they are welcome here because of the way that everything is put across. And there are certain things when everything looks like someone else. So, um, so yeah, I think it's important for us to ask that question in every context, not just in general. Like when we're trying to define privilege in the one big general definition, that looks different in different contexts, right? Like, well, who gets to define privilege in this context and particularly in this conversation? What is uh, one question from, from classmates that you have written on your papers? Because you all had good questions written on your papers, I assume, <laughs> that you would want to ask. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, so when she was talking about advantage and disadvantage groups, she used a several words to describe them, and one of the things she used was oppressor and oppressed. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask if you agree that advantage translates to oppressor, and if so, why? Mm -hmm. I do not agree with that because of uh, what I said, the difference between privileged and advantaged was earlier. Because just because you've earned uh, an advantage doesn't mean you're oppressing other people. I think advantage can be used for oppression, but inherently it is not. You can use it for just as much good as you could use it for evil. Right. I definitely think that's what she was more going for. Not that like me specifically as a white person is going to oppress a person of color, but it can be used in that way. I definitely think that's more what she was going for, at least in my interpretation. She does speak to that concept when she talks about privilege. And I don't know if she addresses it when she talks about a disadvantage and an advantage, but when she talks about privilege, she says the first step is acknowledging I have it. And then what do I do with it? Right? Like, so I think, I think she does talk about it, but not when you guys are talking about it. I think in the disadvantage and advantage section, she doesn't, she doesn't challenge us to use it differently. Um, so I think that's fair to kind of go, yeah, I don't, I don't see the oppression and disadvantage are the same. I don't think that that's the same. But um, but she does challenge us when she says to recognize my privilege, whatever level of privilege I might have, and then say, what do I do with that? What am I willing to do and use my privilege to speak up for those who don't have that privilege, right? Um, that that begins to be, what does it look like to be an ally? Um, when I recognize any level of privilege I have, how do I become an ally and stand with other people who are not as privileged as I am? Um, instead of instead of putting up a wall between us, like how can I build a longer table, right? That's a little bit different 
than the challenge that a lot of people take. <laughs> a lot of people take that very differently and choose to do one option or the other. Um, and part of that is what it looks like to be an ally. And I think part of that is exactly what Jesus challenges us to do, is to stand with and to go after the people who are oppressed and looked down upon and disadvantaged and marginalized. What am I doing to go after those people and to stand with those and for those people? All right, let's just be done. How about that? Just shut it down. Yeah. All right. This is a good session. Hey.